intentional with this dialogue that we had at the beginning of service. I'm very intentional um, because I want to make sure that um, we understand that you have to put your faith into practice. You got to put it into practice. You got to make sure that your faith works. You don't want to just hear a sermon and then not activate it in your life because we turn into spiritual junkies that sometimes we just we hear the word and it doesn't move us, it doesn't do anything for us. It's a seat up here. And so um, we want to make sure that we, praise the Lord. So we want to make sure that we, um, hallelujah, we want to make sure that we. <laughs> hallelujah. I am the only person that could be talking and have a whole conversation in my head while I'm talking to you at the same time. Praise the Lord. Listen. Um, so we don't want to just get the word, but we want to put it into action. So this is why I have these conversations before I actually go into teach to the next part, because I want to make sure that you got what happened, <coughs> excuse me, that you understood the, the principles behind what was taught, and, and also for you to get to a place where you can put it into practice and make you think about it, all right? So, um, so on Sunday, God gave Prince Israel, were you blessed by the message on Sunday? God gave Israel principles to keep them out of financial bondage. Now, you got to think, we're dealing with a people that have spent 430 years in Egypt, but 400 years in bondage. So a generation, um, that's about, uh, a generation is about 40, 40 years is what they consider a generation. So you're talking about 10 generations of separation from them knowing about God. Isn't that something? So they're actually living off of a memory. Okay? And when they come out of bondage, they are struggling because they still got a slave mentality. And I talked about that um, uh, from our uh, perspective as well, and I'm going to get into that a little deeper. Um, we talked about a slave mentality that the children of Israel had coming out of bondage in Egypt. And we also saw, I hope you saw, the parallels between their slave mentality and our slave mentality. Okay. <clears throat> what did I say? The first thing was we talked about a competitive nature, how we're competing against one another, and because of that, that causes this slave mentality. The second thing was that we talked about you will work harder for someone else's dream than your own. Okay? Um, I know that hit some of y'all in your stomach, and that was the point, that was the purpose of it, because a lot of times people are always talking about you want God to do great and awesome and mighty things in your life, yet you give all your energies towards working on somebody else's vision, but you never work on your own vision. And what I don't want to do, and I've said this many times before, is I want to make sure I die empty. I want to make sure that I'm not sitting there and um, allowing the dreams, the visions, the ideas, the creativity that the Lord gives me to go to the grave with me. I want to make sure I get it all out. And can I be real with you? The reason why um, I started Freedom after my 30th birthday was because I realized that there was a transition that needed to happen within my life. That I spent 20 years being a youth pastor and being a choir. that I felt like there was more in me than just that. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't sit up here and have this dream and have this goal on the inside of me and I just sit back and don't do nothing with it. And so that's why when after I turned 30, I heard the Lord speak and he say, leave what you was used to, which was 10 years of a choir and just being a youth pastor, not just being, but being a youth pastor, and the Lord said, leave and I'll show you what's going to be next. 
And sometimes God doesn't move until you first move. Let me say that again. Sometimes God doesn't move until you first move. Some of you are sitting there praying and hoping and wishing, but you ain't moved. You don't do anything different than what you did the day before. And it's not until you develop some habits and break this mentality that I'm going to work for somebody else's vision, but I'm not going to work for my own vision. All right. Now, let me be very clear, because this is the generation where, you know, y'all get one vision and you want to go 5000 miles in one direction, uh, zero to 60 in five seconds. And you want to do everything. And what what I'm discovering, the older I get is that when you give up everything, when you forsake the responsibilities that God has already given you to go chase something else, you do more damage to yourself. Okay, let me clarify that out. Let me clear, let me make sure I clean that up. Because this is a generation, I got a dream, so I'm moving to Atlanta, I ain't got no job. Touch your neighbor, say, get your mind right. Yeah, this is the generation where, you know, we have these dreams and we forsake everything to go after the dream. The power of what God wants to do in your life is, catch this, how responsible are you with the dream that or the vision that belongs to somebody else first? You missed it. I didn't just look up and become a pastor. I served the churches I was with before I became a pastor. I was, I, was, I was the first person there, last person to leave. Years. Didn't preach. Serving. Next thing I know, they say, oh, I want you to be youth pastor. And my response to my pastor was, I don't like children. <laughs> but he saw something in me, and so I decided to serve. Watch this. So when I got the vision for freedom, I go to my pastor, who I was serving at the time. Catch that, who I was serving at the time with no title and no money. Okay, let me tell you how deep this was. This was during the time when gas was like $4 a gallon. And I lived on the south side, and Open Arms is on Dunn Avenue. See, you don't want it bad enough because you're not willing. Because what you would have said was, you got to give me gas money if I'm going to come and do this. And the only way that God is going to make sure that your vision happens is you got to make sure that somebody else's vision happens. Watch this. The Bible says that they were, so they were so creative, the children of Israel, that they would make brick with no straw. They would do all kind of crazy stuff that just didn't make no sense. And they served and they served and they served. And when the Lord brought them out of bondage, they still had a slave mentality that had to be dealt with. And so what I needed you to see was that when you are competitive in nature, when you work hard for someone else's dream than your own, you have a slave mentality. The third thing I said was when you pay for what you want and beg for what you need. That's the generation we live in. So we will spend all our money on what we want and then have to beg people for what we need. If God has blessed you with a job, with an income, there should be no reason why you should be putting out a GoFundMe page for your rent. What did you do with your money? And why should it be our responsibility because you were irresponsible? Oh, they don't like that. Why, okay, so what, what did we say you must do in order to save? Number one was don't consume more than you have. 
all us on a fixed income. Every last one of us. I know it's fixed because your check is the same amount every two weeks. It be fixed. Hmm? It's fixed. All right? Um, number two, don't consume today at the expense of tomorrow. Okay? Uh, what did he say? When you harvest the reap, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges. What did I tell you those edges are called in financial terms? Margin. You always have to leave a margin in your finances. But you got to make sure that there's a certain amount. Watch this. And what did I, your homework assignment, I gave you homework on Sunday. And I said what you need to do. You need to figure out what your margin is. So you need to figure out what are your bills and everything outside of that is your margin. Okay? You, you, don't, you don't eat up until your margin. You don't, you don't try to ride your, your account and fix it so that I know this will be pending, but don't clear to over here. So I'm going to fix this and... Okay. Stop riding your account. Let it rest. Let it cool off. Touch your neighbor and say, let it cool off. Let it cool off. Let it cool off. That debit card is hot. Then swipe this so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't do that. Get your tail off of all them websites looking for them sales. And number three, everything you have should not be everything you consume. Okay? Um, so here's the question that I have for you. I need you to go to the, to the microphone. Um, I want to ask you, number one, uh, think about this question, all right? What did you learn about handling money as a child? What did you learn about handling money as a child? Okay? I want you to think about that, and anybody can get to a microphone um, uh, and, and explain what did you learn about handling money as a child. While you think about that, I'll give my answer. What did I learn about handling money as a child? I learned that when you are tired, you eat out. That's what I learned. I learned that when you are tired, you, you eat out. Let me clear this up. <clears throat> In my house, the way that we were raised, Sunday was a cooked meal. Tuesday was leftovers. Um, I'm sorry, Monday was leftovers. Tuesday was, you know, something out of can or something quick. Wednesday, figure it out. By Thursday to Friday, we was eating out. And we would eat out every Thursday. We, I mean, every Friday we had seafood. Without fail. Every Friday, without fail, we had seafood. Saturday, you had a sandwich during the day, but you was eating out that night. And then Sunday, you started all over again, which means we ate out every single week. So what I was taught about money was when you are tired, you eat out. Now translate that into adulthood. <laughs> Do you see how that works? Okay. So what, were you, what, what did you learn about handling money as a child? Go ahead, Dami. I learned as a child that the electric bill was put in my name. Okay. Why was that? I'm assuming my mother had bad credit. Okay. Yeah. So what did you learn from that, though? What does that teach you? Like, what habits did you develop from even knowing that, even seeing that, or other things that you have seen? What did you learn about handling money from your, parent, from your, from your mom? or whoever. 
don't know about learning, but I guess the habit I picked up was spending to the max. Or okay. It's like, it's almost like I didn't pay attention to money until I was forced to. Mm. And then the pressure causes you to kind of look at it. That is so good. I don't, I, I don't think about money until I'm forced to. That is so good, because something I'm going to teach about tonight hits that dead on. It's number one of what I'm going to teach about tonight. That is so good, because a lot of times we don't look at our money until it's a problem. Mm -hmm. We don't even realize certain money's be going out of our account. Don't you ever, okay, have you ever been standing in line getting ready to swipe and you didn't know something cleared, and they telling you it got declined, and you looking at them like, no, it ain't. And you getting an attitude with the, with the, with the cashier? Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in a situation like me? You know, I tell on myself, because I know some of y'all, you don't want to tell on yourself. But I tell on myself, have you ever been in line, and you was praying that they would slow down so you could check that account real quick? <laughs> Hold on, before you swipe, hold on, hold on real quick. The service is bad in here. <laughs> what did you learn about handling money as a child? Because my mom didn't go to the grocery store. Yeah. Like she didn't for a long time. So I thought, okay, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, we got stuff in the house, but I didn't go with my daddy to do that. How did that translate into your adulthood? Okay. So <laughs> fast forward. And I'm like, Um, here's the next question. What is, a, what is a good financial decision you made in the past that is now producing fruit? What is a good financial decision you made in the past that is now producing fruit? Fruit. All right. Go ahead, Monica. Um, I took a full scholarship to the University of Minnesota, and I do not have a student loan. Okay. <laughs> and I wanted to go to a different school. So right. I was going to take out a whole bunch of loans, but my grandma gave us last Here's the thing, um, God, y'all are hitting everything I'm going to talk about, so I'm, I'm trying not to say it, so just remember that. Praise the Lord. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. Mine is kind of along the same lines. I had a full scholarship to school, but I mm -hmm. actually wanted to go there, but <laughs> <laughs> the money that I would have been paying back to uh, Sally Mae, I put into my TSP, mm -hmm. and so now I see that like the, I'm 
put a number into my CSP and it's going towards retirement. I don't got to do nothing for it. I just come out and get chips. And so, Okay. All right. Leona. Okay, so every starting uh, before I went to college, I decided Come close to the microphone. Oh, before I went I, well, before I went to college, I decided to um, work in the summer. Don't spend any of my checks mm -hmm. and then that was in budgeted out throughout the year. Um, entering my senior year, it didn't work out like that. I had a few more expenses and my parents were like, "Oh, well, we see that you're Who is someone you know personally that deals with their money well? And what about them makes you think that? Okay. Um, my grandmother. Okay. She pays up her bills like months ahead of time. And she's been doing that even before she started having to take care of her siblings when they started getting sick. So once she had to add on their expenses, her bills was up, basically paid up for the year. Did that translate over two years? Um, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't at first. Okay, why not? Um, because one of the habits I learned was you don't necessarily have to pay the bill, you just need to pay on the bill. Yeah. So yeah. when you start realizing and you look up like, dang, that balance be kind of high. They talking about, you know, they they cut your stuff. They they'll cut your stuff off. Yeah. So now just looking at what my grandmother does, I'm like, okay, maybe I should do that instead. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you're looking at, okay, I got this money, but I got this want. Mm, yeah. I want this. I do. So let me pay pay just a little bit on this and That's just right. you know ride it out. Cause with sales, they just. Mm -hmm. I know. They get you every time. I promise you. Deacon Larry? My mother. Because okay. Because she would, would always save rather than go out and buy stuff on credit. Okay. So whenever whenever she brought it home, it was hers. Gotcha. Okay. Tanya? Um, I learned from my daughter. Okay. Um, just raising my kids and being a stay-at-home mom with a paycheck. she did was while she was in the service she had about four or five bank accounts and she hid money everywhere yeah and then when she got out it made her stable does that make sense yes and then what she did was as soon as she got to me she put me on a budget and then she taught me how to hide the money everywhere mm -hmm. and then she for um my wants because we were talking about wants mm -hmm. she got me a credit card but it's based on um based on, um, I forget, it's secure credit card. Mm -hmm. And I can only spend up to $300. Right. So if my wants, I could just pay $25 a month for my wants. Mm -hmm. But I've been able to do what she says, like at the end of the month, pay it all off. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a layaway. Right. And so whatever I have. Right. So I get my needs and my wants. But my daughter, I really look up to her. She's really good. Gotcha. I would say my mom because whenever there's an emergency, I've never seen her not have money. Like, 
it's no money, more problems. You have more money, you have more bills. But I don't think that it's the amount of money they made. I think it's the way that she handled her money. Because even when family members need help, they can call her and tell my parents I need to pay a bill, co-sign on a loan, or you know, co-sign for a car. Yeah. Yeah. So they doing that for other people. Um, yeah, they, they. That, yeah. don't, that don't fit into my ten, the Ten Commandments of Debt-Free Living. I'm oh. going to get to that, not yeah. tonight, next week. Yeah, but I think she, the reason why I think she's good is because in every emergency, she never has to go borrow money. Mm -hmm. She already has money to take care of it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, somebody um, that I learned from, I ain't going to say I learned from, but I think they, they can help play out from my life. It's my dad. Here's my next question. How could intentionally having a margin give financial freedom? When or how would it be used? Let me say that again. How could intentionally having a margin give financial freedom? And when or how would it be used? That's why I was looking above y'all, because I don't see nobody until you hit that microphone. Okay, so maybe a good example of like using your margin is your car payment. You mm -hmm. buy it every month. That's your margin. So if you have a margin, it doesn't go up and your bills are paid. How does it give you financial freedom? You don't have to ask somebody else for money if you have a loan. So that's awesome. I'm okay. not in debt today. Okay. All right. Um, if you have a margin, then that allows you to diversify your assets. Mm -hmm. So you can start preparing differently for your retirement account and spread your money out and be more invested so that way your money that you have is making more money for you later on. When or how would it be used? Um, it all depends on what your goals are and what you are. Like for me, because I'm young, I would be saving more aggressively long-term for retirement instead of wasting all my Social Security. Um, but I could also put that money aside in like money markets and CDs for more short-term goals like trips or paying off any type of phone. And that'll take care of me in the next three to five years. So you use your margin for a trip? If that's what I wanted, it just all depends. <laughs> <laughs> I think your margin, it all depends on your financial situation. Because if you have more debt, then of course that's what it should be going towards. But you also, you have to have a fun fun too. Because if you're just saving, 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 what are you saving for? So that's. I don't clap too soon. <laughs> Sounded good. I'm not saying she right or wrong. I'm not saying that either. I'm just, we're going to put some things in perspective. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to put some things in perspective. D? I learned that uh, just because you have, don't mean you have to 
also like develop their lives to the names of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's not it's not just to say I call it a Christian. said one thing I think a lot of people miss Jesus was asleep he was sleeping on a cushion and when I for me it's, it's like $200 mm-hmm. when, I, when I was behind on my bills I would always say you know Lord if I could just find $200 mm-hmm. and I was able to find that $200 and that $200 became my cushion okay. and now every time that I get paid If I need something, I don't have to take it from my other name, my bill payment name, mm-hmm. because I'm a Christian, and I always got it back then. Okay. All right. Sunday? Having a cushion trains you to be disciplined with your money. Mm-hmm. Okay. But how could, um, how could it, yeah, come on back. <laughs> so when or how would that cushion be used? hit all the answers. Either emergency mm-hmm. or, you know, when you need an extra couple bucks, couple 200 or something like that. Or you can use it for a long time, long term goal um, saving little by little mm-hmm. and putting that back until you get to a certain goal or a certain number. Um, I don't see any other use for that. Okay. All right. Unless you're trying to borrow or pull up your bank statements or something. Hey, I got five thousand. Okay. Let me get this last question in. You can stay there, Teresa. What are some small financial decisions people could make today that would have an impact on tomorrow? What are some big decisions? What are some small decisions, and what are some big decisions that people could make today that would have an impact on tomorrow? Yes. Because I'm trying to move. Small financial decisions people could make today that would have an impact on tomorrow, and what are some big decisions? One small kind of big decision that I've done financially is every year 
I, minim I minimize my expenses. Like every year I have managed to downgrade my expenses. Like for instance, I'll move if my rent get too high or so like I like to be able to pay all of my bills with one of my checks so that I can use the other check for like debt management and for saving. So every year I find a way to either cut a bill or I'll shop around. Like I'm never afraid to call a company and say, hey, you know, explain my bill to me and help me see how I can minimize my bill or try to take something away or how much data am I really using? Do I need unlimited data? So every year I try to minimize my expenses so that, again, for one check I can pay all of my bills. And so every year I've been able to do that and right now I'm just there so that I can, I can kind of do that. Um, and my big thing um, that we can do is don't be afraid to talk to someone who is an expert on finances because I don't know everything, that's not my ministry. So I like to maximize like my credit unions and I don't be afraid to ask a, fi a financial planner or a financial advisor because at your bank usually those services are free. So I like to try to take advantage of that because like I don't know what to do with my money so I'd rather talk to someone to give some guidance like especially if I get like a chunk like um, income taxes or something like that. I always talk to someone first so that I can see what can I do with this money to make me more money. So I talk to somebody that's What small uh, financial decisions people can make today that would have an impact on tomorrow? And what are some big ones? Stop eating out. Okay. Make a budget and say, hey, okay, if you, and then put in that budget, you know, I want to put $150 in this budget. And then you, when that $150 gone, you cook it. And that's it. And also, if you can afford, there's like life insurance policies that have cash value for it so that you can pull from when you are alive instead of waiting for you. I mean, it, please have a life insurance policy so we know where you know those families are living. But there's life insurance policies that you can pull from in the event that your roof collapse and you need that money quickly. You can borrow against that because you've already paid into it. Okay. All right. Leona, you the last one. Um, I did a short term called Blinken. That saved me so <laughs> No, like for real. On no, your like wallet and your spirit. <laughs> Let's and my God. spirit. Come on. Amen. And clear skin. Um, pimples went away. Um, yeah, now you can I tell can you have freedom. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my clear skin commercial. <laughs> no, but like, yeah. Once I once I stopped drinking, I was like, wow. Like, I can go out and not spend, you know, money, or I don't mm -hmm. have to be worried about is some dude gonna buy me a drink. Just say no. Like, and it's less calories. Trying to lose weight. Um, so yeah. So definitely, I stopped drinking. Can I put that in context though? Yeah. Because. You know, people automatically think when you say drink, they think club. A lot of y'all, your bill when you go out to eat and you get drinks, the drinks are more than what you ate, cost-wise. Okay. So yeah, so short-term stop drinking, and then long-term, um, for my stepdad, I learned like if you have a business license to start a business, mm -hmm. um, a lot of things get written off, including your gas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So at the college that I was going, I was. 
Good stuff. So we're going to talk about all that over the next two weeks, okay? Um, let me, something Priscilla said that I want to kind of bring to your attention. So I moved from Southside to Ocean Way, and when I moved, um, I was getting ready to move my cable, and I was having a conversation with my parents, and I realized, um, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to get rid of my cable. My mom asked me, she said, how much you paying for cable? I said, you know, it's about $180 a month. And I said, I said, well, how much y'all pay? And she said, well, we at 220. And I said, this is ridiculous because what they do. So you say, woo, keep it for a little while. And I promise you, it is going to slide up and slide up and slide up to one point. Watch this, because now it's automated. So nine times 10, you don't even pay attention that the money that came out. You just figure, you just figure, hear me. You just figure that, oh, that's the bill. But you never question, like she was talking about, how did it get that high or how did it slide up? So when I looked at it, I said, you know what? So I had a conversation with Donald. And Donald said, you know, I said, well, what y'all use? And he told me what he was using. And so I have shifted from that to internet cable. And internet cable, and up my internet to the highest speed that it can be, but going from 180 to $20, $30, you totally missed what I just said. What, do I have every channel that I had before? No, and I don't care, because to be honest with you, how many reruns can I really watch of Good Times? Because here's what I told myself, well, I ain't gonna have TV One. All they do is play reruns all day long. How many Good Times of what's happening is I'm gonna see? And if I wanna see it that bad, guess what? It's on YouTube as well. So you have, to, you have to look at it a little closely. So I want to go into this on tonight and talk about the Ten Commandments of Debt-Free Living. Y'all got it? Y'all got me on the screen? Thank you. The Ten Commandments of Debt-Free Living. And I'm going I'm to do with the first five tonight, and I'm going to deal with the next five next week. Do you know that the number one contributing factor to divorce is personal debt? It is not infidelity. The number one cause or contributing factor to divorce is personal debt. Let me say this to every young person, and you hear me, you hear me well. I'm going to say a lot tonight, going to write quick, because I can't repeat everything. Listen to, the, listen to the podcast. This is why single people, one of the first questions you need to ask someone, hear me, is do you pay your bills on time? See, some of y'all ain't never asked, not one person you've ever been in a relationship with that question. Never even asked that question before. Because honestly, that question will factor, hear me, <laughs> uh, I'm going to just be honest with you It's something I came to my conclusion Do you pay your bills on time? That question for me Will factor how much I spend On an engagement ring Oh you going to get In the next 45 minutes You going to grow up real fast <laughs> I promise you Watch this Because I would rather pay you out of debt than to have a ring on, the, on your finger and bills you still can't pay. I feel like you're already mad at me. It's going to be all right. Breathe in, breathe out. You better get you a chip. Mm -hmm. That's why when I do marriage counseling, I make you sit with each other's credit report and figure out how you're going to come out of debt and how you will manage your money. Ask any person I've ever married, and they will tell you that they had, sit, they had to sit in front of me. I had a couple that could not leave for hours until they worked that out. 
Because, listen, let me tell you something. Any married person will tell you that in love feeling will leave. It comes and goes. You know, I, I'm in love with you. Give me a couple of years. Mm, I don't know so much. I love you. I said I love you, but I don't know if I'm in love with you right now. And so we never have the conversation of finances, especially as African-Americans, and we get so caught up on the emotion of it that we don't get to the reality of it. The reality of it is, watch this, bills will come. They don't ever stop till you die. And then when you die, you got a bill as well. Watch this, because often people put more into the wedding than they do into the marriage. You going down the aisle looking like a princess, but the bank account looked like the maid of the princess. Touch your neighbor and say, you, be, you getting ready to grow up tonight. Statistics say people with money problems are four times more likely to get a divorce. But debt is the symptom of a far deeper issue. You know what the deeper issue of debt is? You ready for this? Write this one word down. I'll need you to write debt. I need you to write the equal sign. And write this one word down, envy. Most people are not in debt. They're actually in envy. They're in jealousy. They're in impatience. They're in greed. Most people desire to impress people at the expense of depressing yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. You impress others and depress yourself by going into debt. And here's, you ready? Here's a revelation. They ain't impressed anyway. They ain't impressed anyway. Watch this. And the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. Being prideful has put more people in a debt than the lack of income. Because you keep telling yourself, I should be somewhere. I should have this. I should have that. Who told you that? You. Watch this. Trying to portray something you are not. I don't even believe Instagram anymore. don't believe Instagram anymore because people on Instagram only portray what they want you to believe about them. It doesn't mean that's necessarily them. You know how many people I've seen pose in front of cars they, they, don't, they can't afford? Mm -hmm. Watch this. Here we go. Yo, it's it's going to be rough. So you go to the car dealership to get the car that fits you. You don't get the car, watch this, that fits you. You get the car that fits your money. That car too small, then you need to get big money. <laughs> I can't drive no small car. I'm tall. Well, if your money isn't tall. Your car matches your money, not your personality. My personality is a BMW all day long, a Mercedes-Benz all day long, a good old Mercedes, I promise you. Hello, let it drive me. 
That's my personality, but that ain't my money. And the reason the car gets bigger is because you're trying to match your ego. God told me to tell you, just be faithful. Because if you be faithful, your big car is coming. Be faithful over the Camry. Be faithful over the Hyundai. Be faithful and your big is coming after a while. How you treat the apartment will determine how God blesses you with the house. See, God waits to see what kind of steward you're going to be before you become an owner. He waits to see what kind of steward you'll be before you become an owner. So let me go back to my story. So I was a good steward over somebody else's church before God gave me my own church. I didn't handle my bishop's stuff sloppy. He gave me an assignment. I did it, and I did it to the full. I did it with everything I got. I didn't half behind do it. Because if I half behind do it, I know at the end of the day, God wouldn't be pleased. And watch this. Sometimes we are, we are reaping a weak harvest because we had a weak, weak sowing. I don't understand people in the church that want so much. This is my nature. This is my, my trouble, my difficulty with people that uh, are in church now. They want a great ministry, but they don't want to invest nothing into it. Great ministry take time. It take you know, the sweat of your brow. It takes, watch this, inconveniencing your schedule. I knew I was going to lose amens. It's all right. I'll get back on money because I know you don't want me to talk about that. Ecclesiastes 2, verse number 10. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 2, verse number 10. 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 If you have it, say amen. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in, watch this, all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Let me say this. Labor is God's way to blessings. Labor. Anything the Lord gives you, you're going to have to labor. Get married, you're gonna have to labor. Have children, you're gonna have to labor. Want that degree, you're gonna have to labor. You want great ministry, you're gonna have to labor. If you want an anointing, you're gonna have to labor. Anything worth having is, is gonna take labor. You're gonna have to work hard at it. So, Pastor, what are the Ten Commandments of Debt Free Living? Here's number one, write this down. Thou shalt determine where thy money is going. speak in King James Version because y'all understand you I wanted to make it spiritual for you because if I didn't make it spiritual you think I'm being carnal and it ain't spiritual enough so it don't mean nothing to you so thou shalt determine where thy money is going mm -hmm. you got that your money should take instructions from you and not you take instructions from your money you need a money map you need a money map. You have to tell your money where to go. If your money does not have a GPS, you will always go broke. You have to tell your money, okay money, 
first you're going to stop by the church. After you leave the church, then, then we go into the bank and we're going to pay that mortgage. And after we pay that mortgage, now let's pay that car note. Then after I've taken care of what I'm supposed to take care of, then I can go to the mall. But if you don't tell your money where to go, guess where the first place you're going? Okay. And watch this. But some of our money don't have a map, so you go to the mall first, and then you come to the church asking God to undo what you just did. Here's the re revelation. You ready for this? You have to be corrected before you, can, before you can be cured. You have to be corrected before you can be cured. And the problem with this generation is you want to be cured but not corrected. And here's where you mess up. Everybody wants to be cured with the same behavior. So God, heal me of cancer, but I ain't going to stop chain smoking. God, help me to lose weight, but I'm going to eat all the ice cream. God, get me out of debt, but you're still spending money, just wasting it. And how is it that you're going to be cured if you don't correct the behaviors that got you sick in the first place? Do you see that? Change the behavior, and then you can be cured. Know where your money is going. I want you to come out of the season where you're saying, I had money in that account, but I don't know what happened to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear saints all, say that all the time. I had money in that account. I don't know what happened to it. You ate after church, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Come on. I'll tell on me so I can, you know, I know y'all uncomfortable. You don't want me to tell on you, so I'll tell on me. Um, I should have stock in Juicy Platter. I should have some stock in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I notice? People at work that don't eat the food. I'm going to leave that alone. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Because when you go in there, they are never eating it. They're always eating something else. Anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. Watch this. You ate out after church. You ate out for lunch because you were having a bad day. You went to the vending machine four times in that week. See? You see? Uh-huh. This is stuff you don't think about that starts to add up. Uh-huh. You got to give your money a map and start letting it run wild. You must keep track of it. I don't care if you get a spreadsheet, do something where you are giving your money a map. And let me tell you something. Get it out your, your head and get it on some paper. Bible says write the vision and make it plain. You got to stop talking about, oh, I got it all up here. No, you don't. You don't have it all up here. You be forgetting your children's names sometimes. Um, whatever your name is, come here. You must keep track of your money. A written budget uh, that is not in your mind, but is written down. Luke 14, verse number 28. Luke 14, verse number 28. Luke 14, verse number 28. Is this helping anybody? Luke 14, verse number go Luke 14 verse number 28 the gospel according to Luke 14 28 for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it let me let me parenthetically pause here a little put, put a little pin here that is the beauty hear me that is the beauty of owning your own home hear me 
because you get to spend your dollar twice when you own your own home. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Example, if I'm a tenant and, and, and I'm in an apartment, my rent is a dollar, watch this, I pay my rent. But if I have a home, I give them that same dollar, but when I sell the home, if, I, if the home has kept its value and the house has appreciated more, then he has to give it all back to me. Do you see that? And if I have been faithful over the house, I can go get the next house with a check up front based on what I put in the previous home. Do y'all see that? This is why you want to own a home and not wait until you can get your dream home. Some of y'all waiting on a dream home. You got to work your way up to your dream home. Mm-hmm. Here's how they get us. You ready? Here's how they get us. Because we can afford to get into certain areas rental-wise that we can't afford to live in when we buy a home. Come here. Come here. So when I first moved to Jacksonville, the big place at the time to live was Bay Meadows. Everybody wanted to be in Bay Meadows. Bay Meadows back then didn't look like how it looked now. You know, Bay Meadows was the place. This is before everything else was built out there, you know, town center and all that other stuff. It's way before that. Bay Meadows was the place you wanted to live. But watch this. The, but back then, you could afford the rent in Bay Meadows, but you couldn't afford a mortgage in Bay Meadows. So the problem with us is that now we get to a place where we want to be bougie and sadity, and we want to live in places that we really can't afford. So you spend up to the max of your budget trying to afford a rent that you really can't afford anyway. And you can't buy a house in that same neighborhood. So you'll live in an apartment in Bartram Park, but try to buy a house out there. Oh, it just got real, didn't it? It just got real, yes. Mm-hmm. That's how they get us. Oh yeah, you got the jetted tub in your, your, bath, your master bathroom. You got marble countertops. Yes. Looks so lovely. And ain't none of it yours. Mm -hmm. Everybody say, know where your money is going. Here's number two. Write this down. Thou shalt determine the total amount of debt, and thou shalt devise a plan to pay it back. Mm -hmm. Write it all down. Thou shalt determine the total amount of debt, and thou shalt devise a plan to pay it back. Psalms 37, verse number 21. Thou shalt determine the total amount of debt, and thou shalt devise a plan to pay it back. Why did I have it that long? Because it's easy to figure out how much you owe. That's simple. But what's your plan to pay it back? Now let me show you what the words say about uh, paying, paying back, okay? Psalms 37, verse number 21. Uh, the Bible says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Let me read that one more time because we jumped over something real quick. The wicked borrow and do not repay. The Bible says when you don't pay people back, you're wicked. God calls us wicked when we borrow money, hear this, with no intention of paying it back. 
Here we go. This is going to be deep. It is a sin to avoid your debt collectors. <laughs> I don't like the tone of voice y'all looking at me in. I just don't like it. The Bible said, listen, I didn't call you a sinner and wicked. The Bible did. That's what the Bible say. The wicked borrow and do not repay. Wicked. Romans 13, verse number 7. Romans 13, verse number 7. Now, I've taught this years in the past, verse number 8, but I want to back up to verse number 7. Romans 13, verse number 7. Uh, Romans 13, verse number 7. Give to everyone what you owe them. You owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I love this. Let me just stop right there. Because a lot of times we try to sit in a high seat of, of that we're better than people, not realizing that the Bible says when you are withholding something that is due to somebody, you are just in so much, uh, um, uh, you have missed the mark so bad that you don't even see it. Watch this. The Bible says if revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. How is it that you can walk around disrespecting people when you owe them that? You might not like your boss, but you still got to respect them. That's what the words say. No, but see, we want to be Christians that want to bypass that because you think you jump and shout on Sunday, but you mean as hell when you go to work. I said it, and I ain't taking it back. Mm -hmm. Watch this. If respect, then respect. Yeah, even in church. Even in church. Do you respect people in church? Uh-huh. If honor, then honor. Look at verse number eight. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. John, uh, 1 John 1.19. 1 John 1.19. 1 John 1.19. Way in the back. 1 John, not the gospel of John. 1 John chapter 1. Verse number 9. I'm sorry, I said 19. Verse number 9. 1 John 1, verse number 9. You've heard this many times before. But I need to kind of break this down so you could understand uh, from the perspective how you to devise a plan to pay it back. 1 John 1, verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's the revelation. Here's the revelation. Confession makes way for deliverance. But the only way you can be delivered is you got to confess. Okay? Most of us won't get delivered because we won't confess what the real issue is. So here's the thing when it comes to your money. You got to confess. I confess, God, I don't spend money correctly. God is not going to work on an issue that you don't think is there. If you don't see a problem with it, God ain't, ain't going to mess with it. Because why would he deliver you out of something you don't see as an issue? God, I confess, I use too much of my paycheck for my habits. God, I confess that I knew I couldn't afford it when I got it, but I hope you would make a way out of it. 
got the car you couldn't afford, shouted over it, said God gave it to you, and two years later, you whining and complaining about the note. And halfway mad at God. How you let this happen to me? I, what? Confession makes way for deliverance. You cannot expect God to release you from a debt you don't acknowledge. So you got to say, God, I had no, had no business getting this car. And then after you say that, say, Lord, can you help me? He will help you, but you have to confess it. Confession means to agree with. In other words, when you make a mistake, God doesn't undo it until you agree with his perspective. But as long as you keep trying to justify it, I worked hard. I deserve it. Watch this. You only deserve what you can afford, not how hard you worked. I need to say that one more time. You only deserve what you can afford, not how hard you worked. You worked very hard raising that child. But guess what? They still disrespected you. So it had nothing to do with how hard you worked. Are y'all seeing this? You only deserve what you can afford, not how hard you work. That is why you must, hear me, now practicality, that's why you must find a passion that you can turn into a business. Hear me, I'm not talking about rich, get rich quick schemes. I'm not talking about you just come up with something just to, you know, oh, I think this is gonna be my way out. No, you gotta come, you must find a passion that you can turn into a business because entrepreneurship is a deliverer. Here, here go my little example. A job is a tricycle, a business is a 10-speed. And I don't care how fast you pedal on a tricycle, you ain't going nowhere. That 10, six, that 10 cents extra an hour, where you going with that? You can't even get cheese on it. I remember when cheese used to be 10 cents. Now it's like $1.30 that you gotta add extra on it. It's a whole different meal by itself. Watch this, but get on a 10 speed and you can make more progress with your time. Get off the hamster wheel because watch this, some of you need to hear this, some of you need to hear this. I ain't saying leave your, leave your job, but some of y'all need to hear this because you are a business. Get out of the poverty mentality and start dreaming again. Stop being depressed all the time. Stop letting life drag you down. Stop being depressed all the time because you and your boo uh, broke up. Use that same energy and get some fire back in your soul and become the business that you are. Watch this. Create an app to show people how to get over a breakup. See, you totally missed what I just said. You done sat there for weeks crying about who done left you. Turn your pain into a passion and make some money off of it. What you think I do as a preacher? I go out and preach and I talk about life issues, stuff I done been through, and I preach with passion. And by the time I get done preaching with passion, here come a check. God bless you. I know y'all don't like that, but that's the truth. But you sitting up with that whining and complaining and crying. Listen, Leroy and Sheila done moved on with their life. They ain't studying you. That's so country. They ain't thinking about you. Touch your neighbor and say, they ain't studying you no more. Turn your pain into a profit. Turn your pain into a profit. Sitting up there worried about, oh, and I ain't been out on a date a long time. Well, figure out something where you can make some money and get around some other people that got some money that's going somewhere in life. 
Maybe the reason is because you have talked your way into your world. Turn your misery into a ministry. Turn your tears into a prophet. I lost a friend because I got so tired of hearing the humdrum of somebody's life. And um, I had a friend that would, she would call me all the time. Oh, I'm going through this. Oh, this one done hurt me. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. My life is over. Oh, God. Oh, God. And even though I'm a pastor, one thing that the Lord is still working on is the ability for my heart to be pricked of sympathy to other people's stuff. Because sometimes I'm just like, move on. <laughs> so what? So, um, and so she, you know, it going through again. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm so broken. I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. And in the middle of her talking about, I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. I said, well, um, how your business doing? You made some money? I don't want to talk about that. I want to, why not take that same energy of your whining and complaining and put that towards your business and do something else with your life? Because, watch this, you moving forward in your business and what God has called you to do could be the door to bring you to a place where you meet somebody. you be whining and crying over somebody that ain't even on your level in the future anyway? No, no. Hear what I just said. See yourself in 10 years. Do they even fit? You whine and complain over that? See, don't you realize that sometimes some connections ought to hold you in your past? You weren't even on my level anyway. 15 years from now, we ain't going to be in the same place. Mm. I need every single person. Lift your hand. Every single person in here. The Lord told me to tell you, stop dating down. Stop dating down. Stop dating down. Who lifted their hand? Did one of y'all lift your hand? That devil's a lie. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. Because there are some people who don't even fit within where, where God is taking you. And you're trying to make them fit. They're not even on your level. They don't even dream like you dream. The conversation that you want to have and the conversation that they haven't ain't even on the same level. And you whining and complaining about somebody in 10 years that ain't even going to be in the same place you're going to be in? Get your life. And you looking at other people, oh, they got somebody, what's wrong? Ain't nothing wrong with you. Maybe they settled for something you should never settle for. Okay. Number three, let me move on. Number three. Thou shalt not borrow against the future. Thou shalt not borrow against the future. Thou shalt not borrow against the future. 
this church is full of parents that have very small children, and I need y'all to hear me. For those that have, you know, children, early elementary or even before that, y'all need to put a plan in now so that when they graduate, they will never have any debt. We need to start working towards that right now, okay? Um, we need to change the dynamic of even how we as African Americans go to, go to school and go to college and get higher education because it is a trap. It is a trap. It is a trap. Now, I'm not saying it from experience because y'all know I don't have a degree, but I have never worked a job where I didn't get paid on the same level as I had a degree. And one of the worst things in the world that I had to deal with was coworkers that would get mad with me because I didn't have the four-year degree that they had, yet I got paid the same or even more. Now, I'm not saying everybody's story work out that way that don't have a degree, but what I am saying is, is that it is a trap because I see people that come out of school with all these loads of debts that are saddled on them forever. Watch this, there's an African proverb that says this, don't eat your dinner in the morning. That means if you are in a Camry season, don't live in a Benz season. Don't drive a Benz out of season. Mm -hmm. The biggest mistake I ever made was living my tomorrow in my yesterday. I drove my tomorrow car in my yesterday. I lived in my tomorrow house in my yesterday. And when I think about all the money I gave them people, what could I have done if I got half of it back? Just think about that. Think about all the money you've wasted in the last five years. What could you have done with half of that money? Not even 100% of it, half of it. What could I have done with the money? Watch this. We're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. What could I have done with the money on, uh, I spent on a vacation I went on with somebody I didn't even like? Because I went because I saw myself in the selfie on the beach. Okay, I'm just playing. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> she put up the Baptist finger. I'm out. <laughs> Debt is borrowing against the future and presuming that our future earnings will pay for our present purchases. And where most of us fail, we buy stuff on credit thinking that we will pay with it with the money we're already making, that we're, all, that we're making presently. And the shock is when it don't happen. <gasps> what happened? Watch this. When you borrow against your future, you drive cars that even millionaires wouldn't buy. Because they understand a depreciating asset. There's a video right now that's on YouTube of uh, Buffett um, going to his, I mean, he's like the third richest person, second richest person in the world, third richest maybe, and um, getting in his car, and every day he has a dollar, he goes to McDonald's, and he has the exact change of a dollar and like 14, whatever it, whatever it is. He gets the same thing every single morning, and he has exact change every single morning for that in the car, excuse me, third richest person, he's driving himself. And, and in the car he's in ain't a new car. I said the third, he has billions. 
Guess what a B? That's billions of dollars. He drives himself, gets the same thing every single morning, and has exact change for what, he's, what he has to get. Watch this, because they understand depreciating that value. When you borrow money, you should first have a plan to pay it back. What's your plan for paying it back? There's a, there is little difference between stealing and credit card debt that you don't pay back. Everybody say, thou shall not steal. Read me back my points. Number one is what? Number two. Number three. Here's number four. Thou shall destroy all credit cards. Thou shall destroy all credit cards. ready? I know you want to respond. Let me plead my case first. That's this generation. We don't wait till context. We just go straight to it. Watch this. It's bondage. A 19.99 interest rate. You will never pay back. Majority interest rates in this country is anywhere between 17 and 24 percent. Ready for this? Let me give you facts facts. Because, you know, I deal in both worlds. I'm going to give you spiritual and I'm going to give you facts. Here's the facts. The credit card industry is, a, is, is an $11.8 trillion a year industry. You ready for this? That is half of the United States GDP. Half of the United States GDP is credit. The country is a, is a $20 trillion GDP per year. We are the wealthiest country with China coming up, coming up as a close second. What it means, what does that mean, Pastor? It means that we are not broke, we just undisciplined. You're not broke. You ready? Here we go. You're not broke, you're broken. And you're trying to heal the crack with a car. You're not broke, you're broke in. And you're trying to heal the crack with another meal. Mm -hmm. You're not broke, you're broken. And you're trying to heal the crack of your brokenness with something you can't afford. I get, let me put it in reality, I get your job doesn't pay you what, you what you're worth. I get it, I understand it. How many can agree your job do not pay you what you're worth? Right, okay. You ready for this? Write this down. Job, J-O-B, here's what it stands for, just over broke. Just over broke. Watch this. They give you enough so you have to come back in the morning. So here we go. Why I say get rid of all credit cards? Let me give you the math. Making payments of $98.38 per month at a 14% interest rate. 
We're not even talking about what's the average. The average is anywhere from 17 to 24. So I'm going beneath that. You paid a minimum of $98.38 off of $15,000. The debt is $15,000. You ready? And you are paying $98, the minimum, per month at a 14% interest rate. Here we go. Listen, how long will it take you to pay it off? You ready? 80 years. I did the math today because I just wanted to just justify that. And when you do the payment calculator online, I did 50 years and it still wasn't enough. I did 60 years and it still wasn't enough. I did 70 years, still wasn't enough. I did 80 years and finally I got to $98.38, which is the minimum payment on that. It would take you 80 years paying the minimum payment every single month to pay off that credit card. That means, you ready? You would have paid $95,000 for a $15,000 item. Say la. Let that just settle in for a minute. And how many, like me, guilty of paying the minimum payment? It's a bondage that you will never come out of. Mm -hmm. Stop buying on credit and destroy all credit cards. Goal, here's the goal that I'm giving you. Here's the goal that I'm giving all of us in this room right now. Make it a priority not to acquire any more debt for the next 12 months. Make it a priority not to acquire any more debt for the next 12 months. Make sure this time, let's come back and say we did not acquire any more debt. Not another credit card, not another uh, anything. Nothing on credit. We did not acquire any more debt in 12 months. Okay? Number five. Number five. Here we go. Thou shall sell non-essential items. Thou shall sell non-essential items. See, I think somewhere along the way, y'all missed what my title of this was because you're trying to wiggle your way out of every little point that I give you. I said the Ten Commandments of debt-free living. Now, if you want to live in debt, do your thing. I'm giving you points for debt-free living. Got it? Okay. Thou shalt sell non-essential items. Pastor, what do you mean by that? There is nothing wrong. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with selling that necklace your ex bought you in order to get out of debt. There's nothing wrong with taking them purses and putting them on Facebook Marketplace and get that money and pay down your debt. Because my question becomes, hear me, is that purse more important than your future? <laughs> I mean, the Holy Ghost then came in here and whipped some of y'all so good, you can't even nod. You just like, I'm done. Because we have become hoarders. summer and as I'm moving I had some of the men from the church to help me move and I made the sad mistake of letting
change my clothes. And, <laughs> and when I went to move my clothes, they found everything in there that they wanted, Gabby. And, um, <laughs> and so I'm, lo <laughs> I'm looking and I'm just like, Lord Jesus. And when I went, I got the clothes and I put them in my new closet. Now, this how, let me tell you how your flesh gets you. I went from two closets that I had my clothes in to now I was in one closet that was just huge. So the first thing I say out of my mouth is, I need more clothes. Now, anybody that know me, I could live, shut up, April. I could live for the next five, ten years without buying one article of clothing. There are outfits that I have that are still in my closet that have tags on it that I bought two, three years ago. I ain't even worn yet. I ain't even broke it out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me tell this story and I'm done. <laughs> Don't tell on me, not on y'all. We went to Europe one time and I did not realize that the clothes over there are cheaper than the clothes here. had a store there that was called Primark. And Primark is like a cross between, it's like an H&M basically, um, but it's like the next level and half the price. So anybody who's been in Europe, you, you've heard of this, they got a couple of them in like Connecticut or somewhere up there, but they're not popular here in the, in the States. And I picked up the, the price tag and they had like, you know, $7 shoes. Some of the shoes y'all seen, seven dollars, and I shopped so much that I had to go buy a suitcase <laughs> and put the rest of the clothes in the people I was with in their bag just to bring it back. I literally bought a whole new wardrobe. You ready for this? And I came back on the flight with forty dollars in my account and told myself, this $40 will get me home. Because I could not stop myself from getting the deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Came back hungry, but I looked good. <laughs> I had clothes you would never have. Can't buy these in the store you go to. Watch this because we end up becoming hoarders and we buy stuff just to buy it, just to have it. Watch this, holding on to stuff, watch this, that you can't even fit no more. Mm -hmm. They not coming back in style and you will never have your high school body again. Touch your neighbor and say, let it go. Sell or give away the clothes.